Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When I was small, I used to look at my brother and think he had his life together. You see, he was almost 10 years older than me. So when I was eight, he was nearly 18. So I saw a grown-up when I looked at him. He went to the Army when I was in fourth grade. He was a grown-up. When he got out of the Army, I was a junior in high school, and he still was a grown-up in my eyes. Now, as a quote-unquote grown-up of 31 years old, I know my brother wasn't really a grown-up at all when he came home at the age of 27. He left the military and struggled to find work. I didn't really think anything of that at 17, but now at 31, I wonder how stressed he must have been behind that smile and booming laughter. He wasn't really a grown-up after all, but someone just on the cusp of being a grown-up. So much life was left to live for my brother when he passed away that year. Just like my brother, the young lady at the center of today's case had so much life left to give. She had big plans with her newfound independence, and after a life of illness, she deserved to have all of her dreams come true. She wanted to help those suffering from addiction and touch lives in amazing ways. Sadly, her dreams were taken from her when she disappeared one night. This is the story of Jamie Fraley. Welcome to Coffee and Cases, where we like our coffee hot and our cases cold. My name is Allison Williams. And my name is Maggie Dameron. We will be telling stories each week in the hopes that someone out there with any information concerning the case will take those tips to law enforcement so justice and closure can be brought to these families. With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast. And to follow us on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast and on TikTok at Coffee and Cases Podcast. Because as these families know, conversation helps to keep their missing family member in the public consciousness, helping to keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Allison, I wanted to take just a second and thank all of our listeners who've signed up for Patreon. We've only been live for a week, right? Mm -hmm. And we're already a little over one third of the way to reaching that goal of 100 patrons. Yes. We are so thankful for all of you who have already signed up. So I decided. Okay. I think we should go ahead and do some of our shout outs. Oh, okay. 
I think we should do them at the beginning because we want to show our appreciation at the beginning. So shout out to Trisha Link. Oh, we love her. Yes. She has been one of our faithful listeners. She's been with us since the beginning. So thank you, Trisha, for your encouragement and your support. We also want to give a special shout out to Suzanne, which is one of my favorite names in June. What a cute name. The co-host of True Crime Podcast, Crime With My Coffee. They added, quote, we love supporting other podcasts and couldn't think of a better podcast to support. We love your episodes and can't wait to hear more. Oh, that is so nice. Thank you. Yes. Let's show some love right back, and you guys go and check out Crime With My Coffee as well. Yes, and our final shout-out this episode is going to Megan. She said, quote, good luck with Patreon. I'm so excited for you both. Oh, Megan. Thank you so much, Megan, for your kind words and your generosity. If you have signed up for Patreon but you haven't yet filled out the shout-out form, make sure you do so we can share our love on air by announcing your name and to all other sleuth hounds we have so much planned for patreon and we can't wait for you to be a part of that as well so if you haven't yet there is still time to sign up for the eight dollar level for the discounted price of only five dollars a month yeah and spots are filling up so if you're on the fence about it here's your sign to pause the show head over to patreon and sign up today you really don't want to miss out on the spooky heartwarming and funny stories we're going to share there and speaking of kind of spooky, Allison, are you ready for this week's episode? Oh, so it's spooky? A little bit. A little. Yes. Okay. Okay. So before we get started, um, I do want to add that this week's episode has two Rickies and two Kims. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, well, luckily, Maggie and I are recording in a study room at a public library. Yeah. So there is a whiteboard in front of us if I need to <laughs> Map like, it keep out. track of yeah. everything. Yeah. We originally started fil- or recording in front of Starbucks and it was yeah. too loud. And then, and then we came to the public yeah. library and there wasn't a room. And then a gentleman gave us a room, but there's an air conditioner going. So we're hoping you can't hear it in the background. But yeah. Say lovey. Yeah. beggars can't be choosers so jamie fraley's life could not have really been considered easy from the onset she was faced with many challenges according to an interview with her mother whose name is kim on the show disappeared jamie was born on march the 5th 1986 and her birth was not an easy one like her mom said she had trouble bringing jamie into the world that was like a quote from her mom that has to be traumatizing yeah And Jamie was actually born dead and was resuscitated by doctors. Oh, my. So she's a miracle baby. Yeah, she is a miracle baby. Because even then, like, doctors told her mom that she wouldn't survive past infancy. And then she did. And then they were like, she won't live to be three. But she did. And, like, she kept overcoming all those obstacles that they said she wouldn't. She's a miracle baby and a fighter. Yes, exactly. And throughout her life, she was plagued with, like, some lasting effects of her birth. Mm-hmm. Um, she was really small for her age. In fact, by 2008, when Jamie was in her early 20s, she wasn't even five feet tall. Oh. Like, she was tiny. Yeah. And she had a hard time gaining weight. So, along with, like, being short, she mm-hmm. was also, like, really thin. Really thin. She would eventually be diagnosed with bipolar disorder at the age of 18. And her mom said in that same interview that... Um, 
she didn't really take her diagnosis very seriously, but I don't Mm. know if it was really so much that as Jamie had like a hard time finding a medicine that worked for her. Oh, okay. So I get that because then you could be like, well, this doesn't work anyway. So like, why am I taking it? And it was like she would take medicine, but it made her feel like kind of foggy. And then she would Mm. quit taking it. So I think she just never found the medicine she Mm -hmm. needed. Jamie didn't drive and was very dependent on her family to get her from point A to point B. And she actually, um, because of all those like circumstances surrounding her health, Mm -hmm. she did not graduate high school. Um, She lived at home with her mom, who helped manage her finances and take care of her. But Jamie... Despite those limitations, everybody described her as, like, a firecracker. (laughs) She was big-hearted, like, just an overall very loving Mm -hmm. person. And because Jamie had such a big heart, she was dedicated to helping others. In fact, she became very active in a local church, and through that church, she discovered a program that helped addicts overcome addiction, and Jamie felt like called to that profession Mm. that's she felt that's what she needed to do that's awesome and so at the age of 22 everything started to kind of click into place for her she had decided to go to school to get her GED and do like drug counseling okay pursue a job in drug counseling well that's good she's going to college and getting you know her high school diploma and getting that certification with the end goal in mind because so many people yeah. You know, start college and they're like, I have no yeah. idea what I want no to do. No idea what life. I want to do. That was yeah. me. Um, Jamie drew Social Security because of some uh-huh. of those disabilities and illnesses. Um, but she had actually reached out to the Social Security office um, to kind of help gain her independence. Like she wanted somebody to help her, like, figure out how to make sure she paid her bills on time, manage a checking account. Mm-hmm. And so they had appointed her like a caregiver, which I didn't even know they did that. Yeah, I didn't know that. But either. they would like give appoint someone to you to like take you to your appointments and oh, show you so how to like balance great, checking books. Because then it's not as much of a burden on your parents too. Yeah. Because they can go, you know, what if they have to go to work and you've got to go to a doctor's appointment? Yeah. And so they had given her a care provider. And so she was teaching Jamie how to manage finances. She was taking Jamie to um, doctor's appointments or social security office appointments. Um, Jamie had moved out of her mom's house. So she's taking yet another step mm-hmm. of independence and moved into an apartment that was about an hour away from her mom, Kim's house. That's a little far. It is a little far. I know. I would be it nervous as Kim's mom. Yeah. Jamie. And, yeah. Right? Yeah. No, Jamie's no, mom. Jamie's, Kim. Yeah. Jamie's mom. Oh, Kim. Yeah. This is not good. Okay. Yes. Jamie's mom, Kim, I would be a little worried. And all of her family kind of was because they all had a really big role in, like, kind of taking care of Jamie Mm -hmm. and, like, played a big part in her life. Her aunt was interviewed a lot on that Disappeared episode that I watched and her cousin. And they all talked about they had a hard time kind of letting her go, but Mm -hmm. knew that was what was best for her. Yeah. And, Allison, Jamie actually found true love... After she moved out of her mom's house um, with a man named named Ricky Simons Jr. Okay, I'm giving a look. Like, I don't know. Again, all of this independence is happening very quickly yeah. for me. Yeah, and a lot of people felt that way too, yeah. that it was very quick. Mm-hmm. Um, but the pair began dating in 2006 when this is so, this, like, when I watched this episode and then in all that I read, like, this part just really kind of, like, I have questions about this. Okay. 
But they started dating when Ricky stepped in to help Jamie in like a confrontation that she was having. Like, I don't know if she was like, somebody was trying to fight her. If she was like, I don't know the extent of this. Like, okay. This happening. Mm -hmm. But he was essentially like, kind of like a knight in shining armor and like came to her rescue and stepped in to protect her like during some type of altercation. And then like after that moment, it was just like love. Hmm. Yeah. Now maybe, you know, if somebody were bullying her and he stepped in, okay, yeah. but I don't. Yeah. And I don't know, like, that's what I'm saying. I don't right. know like what type of altercation this right. was, but there was an altercation. Okay. And not long after they started dating, um, Ricky Jr. And Jamie moved into an apartment together at Copperfield apartment complex in um we had to google this yes because the county is gaston county yes and we're Gastonia? that's what we're assuming the name Maggie of this keeps wanting to say it like <laughs> Gaston, Gaston from <laughs> beauty and the beast no one lives like Gaston. yeah no one lives in Gastonia. <laughs> yeah but um they moved into an apartment together okay so they're serious oh, okay Sadly, though, um, Ricky Jr. was not a saint. I knew I couldn't trust him. <laughs> yeah. I knew it. So, Allison, your, like, side glances at me were not oh, in vain. I knew it. He actually had quite an extensive record with the local police um, and was arrested in 2007 when he was convicted of crimes related to larceny. And I'm going to be honest, what is larceny? Isn't it stealing? I don't know. Grand larceny. Oh, Isn't probably. Like when you like, like I steal from out. like Kroger. I gotta, I gotta Google it. Yep, theft of personal <laughs> property. Okay. Um. Yeah. So he was convicted of crimes related to larceny and sentenced to 15 months in prison. So not a huge yeah. sentence, but yeah. still, you broke some laws. Right. And Jamie's family in everything that I've read were super open with Jamie about their concerns of staying with Ricky Jr. Um, but Jamie stood by him blinded through that. Yeah, she was blinded by love. Um, her cousin actually talks about that anytime she would go over to Jamie's, like there would be, and I can just kind of picture it in my head, but like papers everywhere because she wrote a letter to Ricky Jr. every day that he was in prison. Every day. And like she would read dedication. Yeah. Yeah. And she would rewrite the letter until it was like perfect to send to him. So it wasn't like the first copy. She would like rewrite. I'm sorry, Rodney, when I write you notes and I cross words out. Yeah. Same. (laughs) Same. But she wanted them to be perfect for him. So she would rewrite them, which takes some dedication. Well. Um, and that so all day. Yeah. But I think that's what she did all day. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And if you remember, Allison, Jamie didn't have a driver's license. Right. And while she was slowly, de- like, gaining her independence, mm-hmm. she still needed some help with things. And um, for right now, we'll say, luckily, Ricky's father, Ricky Sr. See, that's what I'm oh, saying. Okay. okay. Ricky Jr., Ricky okay. Sr. Okay. Live just a few doors down from Jamie. Mm-hmm. I've read like two doors with his girlfriend, Kim. So we have mom, oh, Kim, and, and girlfriend, Kim. Okay. Ricky Jr. and Ricky Sr. Okay. Okay, I got it. <laughs> I think I got it. So like even after I was reading back through this, I was like. Wait, which Kim? Yeah. yeah and I was like, Kim? did I get this correct or did yeah. I mix names yeah. up? But it's correct. Okay. 
So while Ricky Jr. was in jail, Ricky Sr. steps up to help Jamie and like kind of be there for her as a friend or so Jamie still giving some side eye. (laughs) I'm just not feeling this right now. Yeah. And with Ricky Jr. gone, Jamie slowly starts to depend on Ricky Sr. more and more. Like, at at his house a lot. He's taking her places a lot. And we'll we'll find out some more stuff about mm, Sr. Listen, I'm not saying that there can't be a father-daughter relationship between two people who are not related. I just think that when you add a lot of dependency to it, and especially in a situation like this one, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll just say that. Just, yeah, there'll be more. You'll have more thoughts. Okay. On April 7th, 2008, Jamie came down with the stomach flu and... There is nothing worse than this. I I hate throwing up. I think I would rather have anything. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, anything like. Like, I think I'd rather have strep throat. We're we're not saying like any disease or anything, but like anything that is like something that you get over within. Like, like if they said pick between stomach flu and strep throat, Mm -hmm. I'd be like strep throat. Yep. Same. First cold flu or throwing up. mm, Colder flu. Yeah. 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 And she. Like, this just wasn't a normal stomach flu. Um, It was bad. Like, so bad that she actually is admitted to the emergency room at her local hospital, like, to receive fluids around lunchtime um, for, like, severe stomach pains related to this stomach bug. And they say, like, you have stomach flu. Yeah. And she's um, not kept at the hospital very long and returns home because she's babysitting girlfriend Kim's dog. Like, that's she watches her dog during the day. Okay. And so she goes back to her apartment to, to, watch, the to watch the dog. When girlfriend Kim arrives at Jamie's to get her dog, she obviously finds Jamie like in the fetal position oh, in extreme stomach pain. Yeah. And she says, you know what? Like, I'm going to take these prescriptions that the ER doctor gave mm-hmm. you. I'll drop them off at the pharmacy. Nice. And yeah. then somebody can like pick them up or you yeah. can pick them up if you start yeah. feeling worse. So she takes the prescriptions and like tries to make Jamie as comfortable as possible and like takes her dog and goes on about her business. Mm -hmm. But Jamie never picks those prescriptions up. Oh, yes. Sometime around eight o'clock PM to 10 o'clock PM, Jamie's pain increased to the point that she was sure that um, she'd been improperly diagnosed with her earlier trip to the ER. So she calls Ricky Sr. for a ride back to the hospital. Okay, yeah. So she knows, like, yeah. she is in bad pain. Yes. And she's like, they obviously didn't get it right. And this just recently happened to me. Right. I was misdiagnosed. I do not go to the ER. Like, I'm not one of those people that, like, if I can't stop coughing, that I go to the ER. Like, right. this is only my second ever ER visit. And they... Like, I thought I had a spider bite because it was mm-hmm. huge and swollen mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. like, nasty. And they misdiagnosed me. And then my insurance wouldn't cover my ER visit because they said it wasn't an emergency. So I had to submit, like, a claim that explained yeah. that I tried to see, like, first wow. care and all this. Yeah. Wow. It's a little well, t- listen, this extreme pain, one time I had kidney stones. Dang. Oh, you want to talk about pain? I was like, I'm going to say from where I'm sitting in this chair, Sleuth Hounds, this is like, Four feet. If that. Yeah. I was about four feet away from where I needed to be. And I was like, 
I don't think I'm going to be able to make it. It hurt that bad. And it was like stomach pains. I also thought away. that maybe she may be having like appendicitis. Because oh, can't you throw up yeah, with appendicitis? Yeah. That's what I, sadly, we will never know really what the true. Did she make it back to the ER? So, okay. So let's pick back okay, up. Okay. So Ricky Sr., she yes. calls him. She's like, I got to go back to the emergency room. They have misdiagnosed me. Yeah. Okay. So he picks her up and takes her to the ER. And he's like, you know, call me when you're done. I'll come pick you up. But um, the ER tells her that it's going to be a three-hour wait. So, obviously, they're not taking this like an right. emergency. And she's like, yeah, I'm not going to see her that long. Like, I'm throwing up. I'm just going to go home. Yeah. So, that's what she does. She calls another neighbor to give her a ride back to her apartment. So, Ricky Sr. takes her. She doesn't wait. So, he doesn't wait with her? No. no. He just leaves. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. According to, oh, sorry. So drops her off. Yes. And is like, call me. Why would you not wait? I don't think from like the kind of gist I got from the stuff I read, I don't think anybody waited with her. Oh, okay. So because they would never know, I guess, how long it would be or something. Right. And it wouldn't be like if I went and Anthony waited with me. Right. right? Because it's just like friends or people like that that's taken her. Okay. According to most reports, Jamie arrived back to her apartment around midnight and called her mom, Kim. Okay. So, obviously, her mom is concerned and tells Jamie, like, I will come to you right now. I will leave. I'll drive the hour to your house. I will bring you back home. Like, make sure that you're okay. And then Mm -hmm. when you start feeling better, take you back to your apartment. Okay. Um, Jamie, though, declines her offer because she actually had a very important appointment at the social security office the next day that she did not want to miss oh so she's like well if i'm depending on you then i'm an hour away and all of that right because this appointment was um if i'm remembering correctly like talking about putting her check into her bank account like making her over like another step towards that independence that she's wanting so she like declines the mom's offer but Jamie would soon be on the phone again. This time around like 1.30 or 2 a.m., Jamie is back on the phone with a friend telling them that someone was like taking her back to the hospital. But she so didn't she, say who? No. Which is part of the part oh, of the problem. Jamie, why couldn't you have just said who was taking you? Yeah. Yeah. So we know she didn't drive. Right. Um, and she didn't say who was driving her. She only referred to this driver as a quote unquote friend. And she ended the call by saying, I have to go. My ride is here. He's here. Okay. So we know it's a he. We know it's a he. But that's all we know. That's all we know. But I'm wondering, I wish we could talk to this friend she was talking to on the phone and be like, would she normally talk about like Ricky Sr. and say his name? Would right. she normally talk about like, but I you do feel like, I mean? like if I called you and I was throwing up and I'd be like. And if I said, oh, can I take you? Do you need me to take you? Yeah, I'd be like, no, Samantha's taking me or, yeah. you know. Right. I wouldn't just say, no, she's taking me. You're a friend. Like, I feel like I would be specific. I feel like I would too. Yeah. Or like if Anthony's out of town and I'm calling him. Especially and he if said, this is a close yeah. enough friend that you're calling at 1.30 or 2 o'clock yeah. in the morning. Then that's yeah. odd to me. We know that Jamie never made it to the hospital that third time. Mm. And according to an article called The Disappearance of Jamie Fraley on April 9th, 2008. So her 
um, appointed health care, mm-hmm. like assistant or whatever, mm-hmm. arrived at Jamie's apartment to take her to that appointment the at the Social Security one. Administration. Yeah. yeah. Um, her door's locked, which, you know, okay, why wouldn't it left. be? Yeah. yeah. Or even if she's there, she mm-hmm. like, I wouldn't leave my right. house unlocked. Right. So she knocks on the door a couple times. Nobody answers. She mm-hmm. calls several times. Um, nobody answers. And she knew like this appointment was important to Jamie. Right. So she pr- tries yeah. persistently for a while um, to get somebody to answer the phone or to answer the door. But when she finally like is like nobody's going to answer, right. she just left. Okay. Which, again, I mean, she could just be thinking, well, obviously she forgot about this appointment or whatever. Or she got another like, ride. I would think, you know, something horrible had happened. And, like, this lady has no idea that she's been sick. Right. So, like, right. or I don't know if it was a yeah. lady, but this person has no idea she's yeah. been sick. So yeah. she could just think, like, oh, she probably got another ride. Right. She forgot I was picking her up. Something. You know, you can explain any of that mm-hmm. away. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On April 11th, though. So now we're two days later. Yeah. Okay. When the healthcare provider still had not heard from Jamie. So I think it was kind of unusual for several days to pass and mm-hmm. this person not hear from Jamie. Mm-hmm. She calls to let Jamie's family know that Jamie isn't answering any of her phone calls. Okay. But I feel like, can we pause? Yeah. I feel like Ricky should have noticed Ricky Jr. before now because she writes him letters every day. So where have her letters been? Unless, or is there like a delay? I mean, there probably is. But I'm I also feel mean. like I'm just saying. Well, Ricky Senior, I feel like also should have noticed if she's like they said she was over there like basically every, every day. day. So and they know that she's been sick. So why yeah. wouldn't they have gone to check on her? Right. And her mom said like it wasn't unusual for her to go like a few days without mm-hmm. talking to Amy. Far away. She, yeah. Not Amy, Jamie. Yeah, because she yeah. lives yeah. far away. Yeah. Um, but she did say that it was unusual for her not to answer her phone. So that same day, her mom called the police and said, like, can you just perform a welfare check on my daughter? Yeah. She's been sick. Can you go over and just check to make sure that she's okay? Which I feel like should have been done before now. But yeah. I'm just being judgy. Yeah. When the officer arrived at her apartment, he found no signs of forced entry, no signs of struggle. The door was locked and everything seemed like in fine order. So he says, you know. Everything seems okay on our end. It doesn't look like she was taken against her will. I understand why he said that. And if she did willingly go in a car with somebody, which she would have had to have done, she can't drive, then that would explain why nothing in her apartment seems like a mess or anything. So Kim, though, mom Kim, Mm -hmm. was not satisfied with this answer. And she says, you know, like I said, it wasn't unusual for her to go a few days without talking to Jamie but it was unusual for Jamie not to answer her phone when it did ring because mm-hmm. she basically lives her life around Ricky Jr. So she's writing him letters every day. Right. She keeps the phone near her in yep. case he calls. Right. So, like, she's going to answer phone calls mm-hmm. because it could potentially be Ricky Jr. Mm-hmm. So she's like, 
you know, maybe Jamie is in so much pain that she can't get up to answer the door. Maybe oh, like, yeah, she was talking about how much pain she yeah. was in. Okay. Maybe she's like, yeah, incapacitated. She can't even answer the telephone. Right. So mom, Kim, Jamie's aunt and her cousin drive the one hour to Jamie's apartment. So when they open the door immediately, several odd things stand out to them. So things that maybe only a mom or whatever could notice. Yeah. Okay. So it appeared that Jamie had left on her own. Okay. There were no overturned tables. Nothing was out of place that would initially cause suspicion. Like if you were just kind of looking, like, you know. Yeah. But upon further inspection, they found that Jamie had left her keys and her wallet, but not her cell phone. But her door was locked. But her keys are inside her apartment. So I feel like whoever took her had to have keys to her apartment. Yeah, that does seem fishy. Or else she just accidentally locked herself out. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Because maybe, like, there's, she didn't, maybe there's, like, two, like, locks. Wouldn't she needed her wallet for, like, insurance card or whatever for the hospital? You would think so. But she took her cell phone. But she did so take her cell phone. can hang her cell phone? Well, we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, if she has her cell phone, though, like, why is she not answering it is another question. Yes. So, I think, like, we need to add some context for, like, younger listeners at this point. So, we're in, like, 2008. So, cell phones Mm. in that time, like, could go days without being charged and still have battery to make because right, you weren't surfing the internet yeah they were not quote like unquote smartphones. they were smart. only using it yeah to, yeah they yeah. were dumb phones yeah they were dumb <laughs> so like it could have gone days maybe even a week without being charged and still like mm-hmm. be able to receive and make phone calls right. so even though jamie has been gone for about two days like she still would have had plenty of juice in her phone yeah They did notice that Jamie had been very sick because she had vomited in several places around her apartment. Well, I guess if you're feeling that sick, maybe you're just like, I I can't wait until I feel better. So the theory that she had intended to go back to the hospital is even more probable. Right. But we know she didn't. So, like, what has happened? One thing that the family found as they continued to search that it really kind of made the hairs on the backs of their heads stand up when they found it was at the top of Jamie's stairs were her favorite shoes. So Jamie either only wore flip flops or like these like running shoes or tennis shoes as I call them. One pair. Yes. One specific pair. So this pair was at the top of the steps and like while on their own may not initially be alarming Mm -hmm. when the family approached them the shoe the shoes were missing their laces which is something that they said Jamie would have never done. Well, if that's, her, if that's like the, uh, like, okay, I always wear these tennis shoes that I have on. Yeah. What cause would I have to take the laces out of them if these are the only shoes I ever wear? Right. Unless they're in like the washer, but then the shoes wouldn't have been at the top of the step. Honest, I've never washed shoes. Well, laces. there you go. <laughs> I usually just wash them on the tennis shoe. Right. Yeah. I've never taken them yeah. off. So that's, that's weird. Yeah, and, like, if she's so sick, she's throwing up around her apartment. Why would she why be washing she, her shoelaces? Yeah, and yeah. why would she even be taking her shoelaces out of her shoes? Yeah. It's strange. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
the family calls back the police and they're like, you need to come back. Like, yeah, this is wrong. Something's yeah. up. Yeah. So the police come back and they're like searching Jamie's apartment and her family is desperately trying to reach her on her cell phone. Mm-hmm. Like continually yeah, calling her phone. Like it goes right. to voicemail. They call yeah. again. Goes to yeah. voicemail. Call again. Yep. So Jamie, like I said, took that thing everywhere waiting for Ricky Jr. to possibly call. So she had to have it on right. her. They knew. Yes. I mean, Above all else. She's going to have this phone. Jamie has herself. Yes. And they keep calling and they keep calling and they keep calling. And Allison, someone finally picks up. Somebody picks up. Yeah. Somebody picks up the phone. Okay. It was a man. Okay. (laughs) That they did not know. And he claimed to work for a cable company. So he was saying like, we are fixing these cable lines. This phone kept ringing. It's, like, and so I picked it up and we have, like, this is true. Like the police have said, I'm like. I'm still skeptical because that's weird. If, first of all, if I see a phone, this is just me. Now, maybe times were different then. But if I see a phone and it's like we're in a public library yeah. right now. I see it randomly on a shelf over there. By the second time it rings, I'm going to pick it up and answer it. And I'm going to say, um, yes, whoever's phone this is, it was left in the public library, you know, mm-hmm. at this and this address. Well, like, he says that. Why didn't he hear it the 50 other times it rang? Well, from what I could have gathered is I think this phone was, like, on the road. Like, had been tossed oh. out of, like, a driving. Okay. And so maybe he just didn't hear it if there was traffic okay. or something like that. All right. I will. I'll go along. So we'll let that slide. Said that that's yeah. true. So it was about three miles from Jamie's apartment. Um, and the family was hopeful that, you know, there could be prints on the phone. They could pull records okay. from the yeah. phone. So they were hopeful that uh, maybe. Yeah, because obviously she had to call somebody to come and pick her up to take her to the hospital yes. again. Right. Right. So there should be a phone number. Um, unfortunately, police can't pull any prints from the phone because by the time they get it, it's been handled by so many okay, people that, that there's really no prints that they can't pull any of the right. prints. Um, they did, though, like this was kind of the push that. They were like, okay, we have to start, like, this is serious. Like, she didn't just go on her own. Like, we have to start really looking into this. So the county police department assigned three investigators to the case full time. And I read, um, though I couldn't really find this backed up anywhere, that they requested assistance from the State Bureau of Investigations and the FBI. See, I think that's good. Yeah, so so they're really taking it seriously. They're calling in extra Mm -hmm. forces to help. And they interviewed Jamie's friends and family. They conducted, like, door-to-door conversations with residents of the apartment complex. Okay. Um, they searched the area around the yeah, apartment complex. Yeah, maybe somebody saw whoever it was coming in. And the only, and I don't think I'll say this later, like, the only, like, thing that any neighbor says that is, like, the least little bit helpful is that they for sure saw Jamie enter her apartment at midnight. So that's like the last one. Well, I guess that's true because most people are going to be in bed yeah. at the time when this other person is coming to get her to take her back to the hospital. Yes. So they, again, searched like the apartment complex. They searched the area near where the phone was found. Um, divers and cadaver dogs searched like Lake Armstrong that's located like near all of this. But, you know, their efforts are 
like for not everything mm-hmm. turns up empty. They do pull Jamie's phone records and they found that her last phone call was made at 1.30 a.m. So we assume like to that friend where she's like, hey, right. somebody's getting ready to take me back to yeah, the but hospital. but she had to have called that person who was going to take her to the hospital. Yeah. Um, but so upon, uh, this is according to the Charlie Project, but upon like getting her phone records, police found several calls were made from Jamie's phone. But the problem was they were like all dialed from just like her recent like contacts or or whatever on your phone. You know how you have like the recent people that have called you? And so I don't know that they were really numbers that were saved in her phone. There was like a, like it was confusing to me as I was researching this. Um, But they know that several calls were made from her phone around 4.30 a.m. the day she disappeared. So, which is weird, right? Because she would have technically been if she... She would have been at the hospital by then. But she didn't ever make it to the hospital. And we don't really know who placed those calls. Because it could have been somebody besides Jamie. Unless she's like... She has her phone at that point. She's like frantically trying to fumble around. But if she... If this friend... The friend who's supposed to come and pick her up, right, Mm -hmm. is, like, getting there around, like, 2 a.m. to drive her, then you wouldn't, the phone wouldn't be only three miles away from her house and her calling at 4.30. Right. Yeah. Unless something happened between the time at 2 when she gets off the phone with the friend when the mysterious he gets there but they didn't leave her apartment right away hence something to do with the shoelaces right or whatever and we also know a call was made to Jamie's phone at 5 a.m. so somebody's calling her phone at 5 a.m. okay do we know who that is no oh and I don't know how we don't know that, but Unless we don't know that. Well, were there still three phones in 2008? I would think so. Like, they're probably on their way out. Yeah. But I would think so. Um, yeah, investigators have been unable to determine who made that incoming call to Jamie's phone. I feel like, though, and I could be wrong, but I feel like because Jamie doesn't have, like, I know she has her position where she's mm-hmm. trying to become, like, a drug counselor. Yeah. And so she has that group of people who she knows. Yeah. But she's not like driving every day, going to the same restaurants, going to Starbucks, mm-hmm. going to like all of these places. I feel like her circle of acquaintances is small. Yes, would be smaller than the average person. So I feel like narrowing down who he is wouldn't be shouldn't difficult. have been that difficult. I would agree with you, but to this day, I still do not think, well, they have a good idea of who he is, and we'll talk about it, Okay, but it's never been, like, mm. concretely named. Okay. Um, I did read Jamie's family made flyers that they passed out. Um, there were, you know, like, interviews that were conducted. I read in one place that they hired their own investigator. Um, there was a billboard that was funded that was put up on I-85 to raise awareness about Jamie's case. Mm-hmm. Um, they tried to get like a pathologist to help with the case, but like this person was denied access to her case file. I wonder why. Well, this only found in one source that I read and they said it was because the police department said it was an ongoing investigation. So they denied access to the file. Unless it's not like a, I don't know, if law enforcement like 
like if they had vetted like a firm oh, yeah. versus like an individually hired Yeah, like not person. within their circle yeah. of things. So naturally, police turn their attention to Ricky Sr. Mm-hmm. As he is one of the last known people to see Jamie, other than that neighbor that saw her walk into the apartment at midnight. Okay. So Ricky Sr. did agree to be interviewed by police, which okay. was good. Yeah. Um, but when he was interviewed, police said that he was considered like aloof and cold. And he actually denied or refused taking a lie detector test, which, again, we know, like, lie detector tests, like, right. what are their purpose? I know. Yeah. But I do feel like if you didn't have anything to hide, you would just be like, right. why not? Right. But he refuses to take a lie detector test. Police heard rumors that Ricky Sr. was becoming obsessed with Jamie. So, like, they oh. have heard, like, through the grapevine of friends that he is... Like, this is more than just him being helpful. Like, there's, like, an effectuation type thing. wonder if that's why he seemed cold. Well. You know. Wait till you hear more about Ricky Sr. Oh, no. Um, In the meantime, like, before Jamie's disappearance, I did read that Kim and Ricky Sr. had split up. So, he's, like, single. And Kim is on her own. Did Kim ever say that? His obsession or infatuation was one of the reasons why. Yeah. So in that disappeared um, thing I've watched, she does say that, like, his obsession with Jamie is one of the reasons that she left. And he was also really heavily on drugs. And she Mm. was, too. But she was ready to, like, get help. And he wasn't. So that was another big reason why she left. So police start following Ricky Sr., like, telling him. Mm -hmm. Because they're like, you know, maybe he'll revisit. Right. Wherever. Wherever. Um, So as they're following him, they find a trash bag that's full of items. And I never found what these items were. Uh But it was like from his car about two and a half miles away from their apartment and only about a mile and a half away from where Jamie's phone was left or essentially tossed out of the window. Why would he have a trash trash bag full of his items? Two and a half miles from his apartment complex. He said he got a flat tire and had to move those out of his trunk to get to his flat tire and then just forgot to take the bag. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. At least it's a reason, but I'm not believing this reason. So police, though, like I said, I did not read anywhere where they said, like, what was in this trash bag. But I feel like if it were super incriminating, then that would have been like, okay, he did it. Yeah. And then if it was, then that's also probably why they haven't said anything. Right. Because it's evidence. Um, They do begin following him. But the creepy thing is that as they're following him, they realize that Ricky Sr. is stalking his ex, Kim. Oh, my gosh. So he's stalking. Okay. So he was infatuated with Jamie. Yeah. But he's also stalking his ex. And also, Ricky Sr. had a history of violence against women. Oh, no. In fact, he had served time for strangling his ex-girlfriend to death, which immediately I was like, shoelaces. Shoelaces. I know. That's exactly what I was thinking. And he was charged with manslaughter and released only six years later in 1992 for good behavior. So, I guess you can strangle your girlfriend and, like... Still be considered to have good behavior? Yeah. And only serve six, like, six years. He also was charged with, like, he had some fraud charges, some larceny charges, some drug arrest, and police, like, they go to Kim, ex-girlfriend Kim yeah. at this point, 
And they're like, um, you need to get a restraining order. Like right. immediately you need to go get a restraining wow. order. He's following you. And she actually does that. She goes like right after they tell her and she files right. a restraining order. Okay, smart. Yeah. She's like, not today, sir. Yeah. Um, in an article I read on pop culture crime.com which was so hard for me to just say <laughs> um the author stated that on june 7th kim felt that something strange was happening like um her car started to smell bad oh no <laughs> and um two days later she opened the trunk of her car and found something disgusting inside was it a dead animal sort of it was a dead man. A dead man? Yeah. Ricky Sr. was dead <laughs> inside the trunk of her car. So he had, like, committed suicide and oh, no. shut himself in there? No. <gasps> How did he get in there? So underneath his body, they found some of Kim's personal possessions. Like, he had been sneaking and stealing things of hers. And, like, they he had all of this and a knife in her car and he'd been dead for two days and authorities speculate that he hid in her trunk so he could ambush her and oh, kill her. Yes. The trunk? <gasps> yes. But it turned around yes. fair play. So he had suffocated or something? Well, they don't know if he suffocated or died of heat stroke, but there were like drugs and alcohol in his system. So they think like he was too like Oh, and then like he's coming out of like uh what's it called? detoxing yeah right and then maybe because you know you can't quit alcohol cold turkey well i think he's like so disillusioned and so high that he doesn't realize he's stuck in there and needs to pull like the emergency like oh, yeah. release to get I out of the trunk i didn't either until i read this and researched it because okay. you're like what if i ever get yeah because that's what exactly what happened um, wow. so it was only after his death that police finally say that they have su suspected him in the involvement of jamie's disappearance okay and obviously now there's really no proof right. because he's dead. Um, it may seem pretty obvious what happened to Jamie, but I do want to discuss some theories that I stumbled upon in okay. my research. Okay. There are a couple that I found. There were two that I found in an article called The Disappearance of Jamie Fraley. Obviously, one is that Ricky Sr. Mm -hmm. is responsible right, for right. Jamie's disappearance. He so, has strangled an ex-girlfriend. Yeah, he was, was stalking another girl. Infatuated with Jamie. Yeah. And her shoelaces are missing. Yeah. So he's currently considered a person of interest. He has that criminal record. He served time for manslaughter. Um, those who knew Jamie said that he was obsessed with her. And her cousin actually said, like, described him as a pervert. Like, would make inappropriate comments to Jamie oh. um, and say things that were really nasty. But she would go on to say in that interview that Jamie just kind of brushed off his comments and said, you know, I can handle him. Like, it's no it's big harmless. deal. Yeah, it's harmless. Mm. This was my thought, though. Okay. So he lived two apartments down from Jamie. He mm -hmm. was the maintenance worker of this apartment complex. So as a maintenance worker, would you he would have, have keys? keys. Mm-hmm. You uh, sure would because you would have to be able to, to fix, like, like, the furnace yeah. or the toilet or whatever. Oh, man. Yeah. Which and, could be why her keys were inside. But her door was locked because yeah. he would have had a key. And I feel like even if he weren't the maintenance worker, like he would have still had a key. And that's why I'm wondering if whoever she was talking to on the phone, remember I asked that like at one 30 or two in the yeah. morning, would she have said, 
oh, you know, Ricky Sr. is here. Or if this is a friend or a cousin who doesn't like Ricky Sr., maybe she didn't want to say oh, who it was. yeah. So she was just like, oh, a friend's, a friend's coming. Me. He's here. I got to go. That's true. Mm. That is very true. Um, we also obviously know that he's the last person to see Jamie um, and that he had already driven her to the hospital at least once. Right. So something else that sticks out to me is that when Ricky Jr. was released from prison, so he was, I think, like I read, like 20-some days before his release is when Jamie disappeared. Mm-hmm. He was released on the 29th. Um, he chose to stay with Jamie's family instead of his own father, Ricky Sr., because he believed his father was guilty. I wonder if she said anything or made hints, like in those letters that she would write him. That yeah. of like, the I wonder if they've like read things. those letters. Get to keep I'm all sure that. Probably, I would think so. And like, I read that Ricky Jr. was furious with his father, and actually, there was like several things, like altercations between the two, where he just like said, "I know you've had something to do with Jamie's disappearance." Oh. Um. The family cited that Ricky Jr. was a really big help with them with the investigation and kind of looking for Jamie. Obviously, we know it can't be him because he was in jail. Right. Um, But eventually, the pain of having to, like, deal with Jamie's disappearance became too much for him. And he um, turned to substance abuse to deal with her loss. A second theory, which has since been discredited by investigators, states that Jamie was killed by this man named Jerry Douglas Case, which I know, three names. Okay. Um, at the time that he came on police radar, he was serving a 22-year sentence for murder. Okay, so, so he is a murderer. He's so a murderer. the three-name yeah. theory still stands. Yeah. Okay. He was said to have confessed to Jamie's murder in 2015. Um, Case killed a 17-year-old boy in 1985, and his death was originally ruled an accident, which to me is crazy. Mm-hmm. And Case wasn't suspected until he wrote a letter confessing to this crime. Oh, Why would you do so, that? Like guilt, I guess. There's all kinds of false confessions, and I don't even, I don't get psychologically why, right. but it happens a lot. He said at the time, again, serving that 22-year sentence, that he was had killed another individual, mm-hmm. which would have been Jamie. Oh, Um, He was convicted of second-degree murder in 2015. Later that year, he wrote the letter confessing to killing Jamie. Um, But, like, he didn't, no one believed his confessions. Okay. They weren't credible, is what police said. A third and seemingly unpopular theory is that Jamie did leave on her own accord. Mm. So I'm not buying that one. A lot of people say that since she was bipolar and wasn't really taking her medicine correctly that she may have just like had a manic episode and left on her own. I just don't feel like then why like all the hoopla of like, you know, she's, she does have a stomach virus. There's vomit everywhere. She's gone to the hospital. Mm -hmm. I just feel like that's a little, yeah. I feel like she's been at the hospital enough over that, Mm -hmm. that like time frame Mm -hmm. that, if something psychologically was going on, I right. feel like it would have been noticed. And you're I telling me she's going to leave Ricky Jr. Right when she writes him a letter every day. Yeah, no, no. I didn't. I also do not believe that theory. And the final theory is that, I mean, I guess you just have to mention it, is that Jamie was taken by like an unknown assailant. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. that this theory is likely like it's least likely in my eyes because I just don't see how it would happen. Like we know she was getting a ride from a he, um, but she knew this he, right? Or like she at least sounded yeah. like she did. Yeah. Well, she called this person a friend. Right. And I don't think you would call an uh, like just an someone you meet on the street a friend. Right. And have we checked, like, everybody who she knew from, like, her hometown, from her new, from the Social Security office. From that, I don't know. From the, um, like, drug outreach that she was doing. I wonder if we've checked all All those those, possibilities. I just, well, part of me wonders that, and then part of me says maybe they're so for sure that it's Ricky Sr. that they've kind of just stopped. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I think she's still technically listed as disappeared, but, like, disappeared with, like, possible violence. Oh, okay. I just think that it, like, I think it had to be somebody she knew because her apartment was in such Mm -hmm. fine order other than the vomit. Like, if it's somebody you didn't know, Mm -hmm. I feel like there would have been signs of a struggle. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, there wouldn't just be shoelaces missing from your shoes. Yeah. But that's the part that has me puzzled. Jamie's mother believes that Ricky Simons Sr. was responsible for the disappearance of Jamie. In an interview, she said he was, quote, hiding something and we could never get it out of him, end quote. Ricky Jr., Jamie's fiance, said, quote, first my fiance goes missing, then my dad climbs into a trunk and dies. Does that make sense to anybody, end quote? And he's right. It doesn't make sense to anyone. No one that knew Jamie ever would have believed that she would just up and walk away from her life. But they do believe that someone was cruel enough to take her away just as her life was starting. Jamie would be married now, maybe with kids. She would have been helping the addicted to change their lives. All the people she could have helped or lives she could have touched will never know the loving person that was Jamie Fraley. Sleuthhounds were hopeful that someone listening may know something about her disappearance. Remember, Jamie Fraley went missing from the Cooperfield apartment complex in Gaston County, North Carolina, on April the 8th, 2008. She was 22 and was possibly wearing a large white t-shirt and blue jeans. At the time of her disappearance, she stood at 4 foot 9 inches and weighed approximately 90 to 100 pounds. She has strawberry blonde hair and either blue or brown eyes. The name Ricky is tattooed on her right ankle. Contact the Gaston County Police Department at 704-866-3320 if you have any information about Jamie's disappearance. Again, please like and join us on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and to see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Instagram at Coffee Cases Podcast and on TikTok at Coffee and Cases Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so that more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon. Stay together. Stay safe. We'll We'll see see you next week. week.